Santa Barbara City Council District 4 race. I'm Jerry Roberts. Sitting next to me is co-moderator Josh Molina. This event is sponsored by Newsmakers with JR, which I operate with my partner and producer, Hap Freund, by Santa Barbara Talks, the popular podcast which Josh founded and hosts, and by TVSB, from whose studios we're speaking and who is live streaming the event. This is the first in what is likely to be many District 4 forums between now and Election Day, November 2nd, and we're very honored that both of the candidates accepted our invitation. And let me introduce them to you now in alphabetical order, and with their ballot designations, they're both joining us via Zoom, Barrett Reed, Planning Commissioner, Business Person, and Kristen Snedden, Council Member, Professor, Scientist. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, the rules for the debate are simple. Josh and I will ask questions either to both or to one of the candidates in a series of policy areas, including homelessness, the state of the city, housing, State Street, economic development, equity, governance, and we'll also have some questions about their campaigns. Candidates will then have a minute to answer. We've asked them to monitor themselves on this, but we will rudely interrupt if they significantly exceed the time limit. We've also encouraged them to address each other directly with a question or a comment, and the candidate who is addressed will get time for a response. Each candidate will also have two minutes to make a closing statement. And with that, I'll turn it over to Josh for the first set of questions. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Kristen Snedden and Barrett Reed for being here today. Okay, the first question is for Council Member Snedden. What did you learn about city government that you did not know before you were elected? And what have you done in the past four years to deserve reelection? So much about what local government can do. When I, when I first decided to run, it was um, at the sort of national movement that people with science background should consider running for local government because that's where the real change could happen. And I've been sort of astonished by how true that is. Um, since being on council in the last four years and particularly along those lines, um, I've been proud to chair the Sea Level Rise Adaptation Plan Committee and we've got a, um, a working adaptation plan out of that. We've introduced community choice energy. We have uh, made uh, updates to our climate action plan. And we've really um, made a lot of inroads in our, in our water protection through the seven years of historic drought. I've really been surprised at how much local government can do. And, and learning that has been a happy surprise. And I believe I've earned my position to continue on for the next term in that I've, I've kept my, my promises to our community. I believe that I represent District 4 well and okay. in making plans and, and protections for the future. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, next question is for Barrett Reed. Barrett, the first job of a challenger to an incumbent office holder is to make the case for why that person does not deserve re-election. Why do you believe voters should cast Ms. Snedden out of office and elect you instead? Yeah, thank you, Josh. I, from my perspective, the past four years have been a serious wake-up call for me. Uh, and at the doors, um, the past four years have been disappointing to a lot of voters in District 4. I'm a, I'm a native to Santa Barbara. It's the only hometown I've known. 
um, this is not the Santa Barbara that I remember. It's not what Santa Barbara should be. I, I see a council um, that is divisive, ill-equipped to lead. I see a city um, leadership without vision and action. I think where it matters most, and we'll be getting into those issues, we've just lost our local focus. So, you know, I'm compelled to run so we can take action as a city and turn this special city around. Okay, thank you. Uh, Jerry, next question. Um, Kristen, uh, for decades, uh, city government and nonprofits have thrown uncounted tens of millions of dollars at homelessness with little effect. Uh, you've had four years to try to affect some change in the course of that narrative. Why shouldn't district voters conclude that you failed to deal with the problem and give somebody new a chance? Good question. Um, we have really changed the way that we're addressing homelessness in the last four years. Um, it's a national crisis. It has a lot of attention. And it really takes, when you're looking at long-term transformational change, it takes a little bit of time to get that going. I think we're right on that uh, precipice crest of where we're seeing the real change. So it took about two years for SB Act to do the outreach, meet all of our neighbors that we have experiencing homelessness, know them by name, have enough outreach time, and then also to develop a strategic plan. And in that plan is not just moving homeless people along and making it someone else's problem, but is with really humanitarian care moving towards temporary housing to bridge housing and then to permanent supportive housing with wraparound services. It's radically different what we're doing in this last three years. And we're just now seeing the real uh, progress in that trajectory. And so the first, you know, 35 are, are moving through the temporary and into bridge housing. And now that that has been set up and we have our communication that's gone really well with the county, which is new, that we have this city focus through SB Act and, and through our plans and, and funding toward that to really start making a difference. So, so we're right where we're seeing it. So you're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. So if we if you're oh, elected, elected for another four years, then you believe the homelessness problem will be solved? I don't think we'll solve it. It's a five-year term. And I think that oh, we will right. make, Good it work. is, yeah. Um, I think we're making tremendous progress like we haven't seen before. And I really do think that um, we're never going to solve homelessness until we address income inequality at, at a real level um, and mental health issues as well. But we're going to make a lot more progress and we have been making a lot more progress than ever before. Um, All right. Thank I think you. we're there. Thank you. Uh, uh, Barrett, um, in your uh, campaign materials, you've spoken of taking a tougher approach to what you call the criminal element among the homeless. Is that a political dog whistle for those residents who believe it's past time the police crack down on homeless people living on the street? And also, I, I, if you would comment briefly on uh, Ms. Snedden's uh, argument that we are uh, uh, in, in, on the precipice of transformational change. Yeah, I would disagree with that. Um, just the statement that we've made tremendous progress is, is hard to see. Um, again, talking to voters at the door, families, individuals just won't go downtown. Um, I don't take our one and a half year old downtown. It's, it's a dirty and kind of scary place to be. Um, and it needs to be addressed and it hasn't been addressed properly. I, I, 
to me the problem is a lack of enforcement and a lack of temporary shelter with services our solution from my perspective is equal parts enforcement and temporary shelter with services i think that the more permissive we are the more we attract homelessness and make our problem worse i see that happening in our city if all we do is enforcement um, and that's not my sole focus we fill the jails and people are back out on the streets and we can't have that if all we focus on is housing and services we attract homeless from all over the western united states we run out of money we need both and the approach i would take is one of empathy and one of strength and this is how other communities have had success with the issue I, something that is concerning um, was a recent California State Auditor's Report, and it singled out Santa Barbara. And it, and it said, the lack of coordination and oversight and distribution of funds and services to implement solutions. Um, inaction will not work. All right. Um, Ms. Ted, you want to just to stay with us for, for uh, 30 more seconds. Um, Mr. Reed talked about uh, that we're too permissive. Do you agree with that? Um, no, and I think if you talk to our police department, if you talk to our ambassadors, if you talk to our outreach, um, we, we've been in COVID and uh, a, a pandemic, and it hasn't been safe for our officers to enforce in certain ways, and they have been enforcing where they can and how they can. There have also been Supreme Court cases where it's not been legal to move encampments or to disturb encampments. So what, what might not look like enforcement from the outside is, is enforcement as, as much as we can for what is illegal behavior. It's not, however, illegal to be homeless. And so when we are enforcing, we have to be careful that what we're enforcing is, is illegal behavior across the board. And it's been difficult, but, but we're getting there. And, and I do, um, See progress. All right, um, All right. quick uh, re rebuttal, Barrett. Uh, Fifteen seconds. You want to uh, have the final word on that? Yeah, people aren't going downtown because there isn't enforcement of the ordinances we have on the books, and we can do that now. All right. uh, we can do that while prioritizing temporary shelter with services. We need to enforce and expand. No sit, no lie. Um, we got to enforce our laws against camping public drinking, illegal drug use, urination, defecation. I mean, it's, it's bad. Um, and again, uh, inaction is not an excuse. Right. Other cities throughout, coastal cities right. throughout California have done it successfully. All right, thanks. That was, I uh, appreciate the exchange. Uh, Josh? Okay, thank you, Jerry. Next questions are on the state of the city. And this question is for Kristen Snedden. During your time on the council, the city has been confronted with three major challenges, the pandemic, the economic shutdown and demands for racial equity. In addition to the uh, chronic ongoing problems with um, homelessness and the decline of retail. Council member Snedden, what letter grade would you give yourself and your colleagues on the council in confronting these crises? I'm sorry, is this on economic development and how those crises play into yeah, economic I mean, development? The question is, um, what letter grade would you give yourself 
and the council over the past four years. And by way of context, I'm just referencing, we've had to deal with the pandemic, we've had to deal with the economic shutdown, we've had to deal with calls for racial equity. Um, mm -hmm. How would you say, what letter grade would you give yourself and your colleagues in terms of handling these challenges? Um, okay, so I'll, I'll start with saying that it's it's not just pandemic and recently that the day I was sworn in was the day of the debris flow, as, as you know. My whole term has been bookended by disaster and, and before that was the Thomas fire and changes to retail. So over that time, if you look at it in context from, from day one, I started calling for a downtown master planning process. I could see library plaza discussions about Delaguerra plaza discussions about but not how they integrated in with state street we hadn't even hit the pandemic yet when i was calling for this master planning process because i saw a lack of vision i saw a lack of vision across the board and a need for there to be public engagement and addressing this issue then the pandemic hit and i will say at that moment because we'd already laid the groundwork and sometimes decisions look like they are spur of the moment or reactive but if the groundwork hasn't been laid they can't happen that quickly we quickly moved to addressing state street keeping businesses open doing what we could to be nimble and responsive on coast village road i worked for a, a public uh, business improvement district in that area so i would say for economic development sake right away making plans now i had to lobby council hard to get that in acted and for that um i'm disappointed that it that it took a long time but i'm very proud of the outcome of this state street master planning committee we need to also integrate that with milpas with coast village road with other economic centers in the city okay. and balancing with we're having sort of a cultural reckoning and reawakening i apologize i'll be fast but it's really important part of it is that we're bringing in our cultural voices the voice of the chumash the voice of black lives having a black cultural resource center at some point in some way okay. and so for myself i'm going to give myself an a for effort and i think um council it's i'm i'm often um not in the same place at the same time with council but i believe we're getting there and this uh state street master plan and downtown master planning it can really be an example with coast village road for what we can do okay all right thank you um we're going to go to barrett reed and barrett reed you can have an equal amount of time on this um you know you just heard council member Snedden, uh give herself an a uh, she qualified it with as an A for effort, um, but you know what grade would you give her and uh, the council over the past four years in dealing with all these issues? I give them a failing grade. Um, uh, the current state of our city, Josh, is the reason why I'm running. Um, you know, people want new leadership, and they want it now. And that's across the board. So I'm tired of seeing our city talk and write reports, um, delay after delay. It was interesting. I, I, I read this newsletter from Heal the Ocean. And uh, they were talking about some specific projects that were delayed. But um, I think it's applicable to what we face as a city and, and it, to quote it. It said, we see delays due to meetings about having meetings, assessing 
assessments and creating action plans about taking action. And this is one from one of our most respected environmental groups. It's so true. I will simply make sure we take action, that we measure results and make the needed changes until we achieve our goals. And it's why I'm running to take this action. A big disappointment for a lot of people has been the lack of priority in our public safety. And Kristen has not, Kristen, you have not prioritized this. I mean, a vote against our police station at CODA, which was supported by Jason Dominguez at the time, who was voted off council. Ironically, Sheila Lodge supported this. We've got a station that was built 60 years ago for 85 staff. It now holds 212. It doesn't meet building codes, seismic codes. And this, it's just examples of short-sighted decision-making. And I'd like to speak more to public safety if we can later. Just Kristen, to get a chance, Barrett's saying that you voted against the police station site. Is that what he's saying? Or do you want to respond to that for clarity? Yeah, thank you. That is what I hear you saying, but I've never voted against the police station. I was on the police station siting committee and worked with Farmer's Market to find a suitable alternate site for them and worked hard, many meetings with Farmer's Market committee. And I'm not sure, I've always been a champion of the police station. I campaigned for Measure C, which is for the police station. And that was part of my campaign last time around, voted for Measure C myself and have been very responsible with those funds towards the police station. So I'm not sure, I've never voted against the police station and never would. It's seismically unsound, the building that they're in. I completely support a new police station. So I'm not sure. Okay, Barrett, 15 seconds. Do you want to clarify your point or who's? And it's simple. Kristen Snedden and Jason Dominguez were the two votes against moving forward with the police station at CODA. Okay, so at some point in the process. Okay. All right, we'll get our fact checkers on that. It was a location question. Okay, Jerry, you're up with State Street and Economic Development. Yeah, somewhere I am. Barrett, as an emergency measure, Ms. Snedden and her colleagues closed a large part of State Street, obviously to traffic to help restaurants economically stay in business. But now there's kind of a wild west atmosphere of parklets out there and other things that conflicts with historic and traditional Santa Barbara architectural and design criteria. By riding roughshod over those guidelines and values, how concerned are you that council and city hall are gonna kill the goose that laid the golden egg in making Santa Barbara a place that people really wanna come to because it's unique? Yeah, well, first I would say, I'm largely here, Jerry, because I was working to revitalize old buildings in our downtown. So I'm deeply rooted to the downtown, deeply invested in the downtown. It's why I started working with downtown Santa Barbara, joined their board, and it's a big part of the reason why I joined planning commission. So as far as the promenade and outdoor seating effort, I applaud it. I applaud what council did. I applaud Kristen's support. I thought that was fantastic. I actually made that recommendation to council 
through the mayor's business advisory task force. But there will not be downtown revitalization if the promenade is the sole focus for downtown recovery. When I meet with people at the door and talk about downtown, people and families just aren't going downtown anymore. So there are other failures that have to be addressed. Permitting and review, it's unacceptable how slow the implementation of streamlining that has become. And we don't have a clean and safe downtown. Kristen spoke to a PBID, the need for improvement districts in Coast Village and Milpas. Well, we need it downtown. And that's an effort I've been leading. Okay. Thank you. Kristen, another key part of downtown, obviously, is Paseo Nuevo, which was once an anchor of our retail revenue for the city and a destination for people in its best days that are long behind it. Developer Ed St. George recently proposed 1,000 housing units at Paseo Nuevo. What's your vision for the future of that mall? Well, for the mall, I mean, I remember before Paseo Nuevo was there, and I remember the businesses that were there in Piccadilly Square. And, you know, we go through cycles where, you know, what's been there becomes done and something new comes. And I think housing in both of those vacuous spaces, the Macy's building, the Nordstrom building, would really do a lot for downtown, mixed use in there. And I supported SB 15, which was to streamline the conversion of big box stores that are vacant into housing. I don't, I think housing would be fantastic. And we've been working with the leaseholders trying to negotiate that and work towards that. So I'm completely supportive of housing downtown. The number of units is, I don't think we can put 1,000 units there. But I think that the bones are there. The parking is there. It's walkable. It would be a fantastic place for housing and mixed use. Yeah. And just briefly on the question of what replaces the revenue underpinning for the city that those stores used to fill. Well, I mean, those stores weren't filling that revenue the last time for last campaign cycle. I mean, four years ago, we were talking about retail being dead and needing, I know something I talked about campaigning was experiential retail. And we have a lot of that now, which is really exciting with maker spaces and painted cabernet and different types of experiences that won't be enough. We do need high paying jobs to come in. And, you know, in research and development or different areas, education, it would be a great place for a campus to be for education. So we need to diversify. We've always needed to diversify and move away just from tourism and more towards locals. If we make it inviting for locals, it will be inviting to tourists as well. And I have heard that also a lot, that downtown isn't really serving our local families, our local populations. And that's where our focus needs to be. Okay, thanks. Josh? Okay, we're going to go to the topic of housing. And Councilmember Kristen Sneddon is first. As you know, the state legislature recently passed Senate Bill 9, which removes most local zoning control over lot splits and creates a state-mandated right for property owners to build up to four units on a single lot. Do you support that approach? And can you explain your perspective? Why or why not? 
Mm -hmm. I absolutely do not support that approach, and I've been very vocal about it. I've, I've signed on with other cities. I've signed on with the LA Times, um, with anybody I could. I've lobbied directly. Our uh, legislators, our state legislators, um, held, held a town forum, um, successfully can really led the charge on having our city write letters in opposition, and really particularly fought for a high fire carve out in, in SB9 which that did successfully come through. I did also push for a carve out in 14% in slopes or high grade areas because of the dangers there with debris. Um, and you know, I'm really hoping that it gets vetoed. I, I just don't think this is the right approach. I'm uh, completely opposed to, to Sacramento taking away our local control. We've done so much to carefully incentivize housing downtown in our urban core. That's environmentally where we should be doing that. It's socially where we should be doing that. And this just creates urban sprawl, threatens our neighborhoods and could quadruple potentially our, our, our housing, which won't be affordable, which won't have inclusionary housing. So without an inclusionary provision, without any provision towards um, incentivizing for downtown cores, I think this could actually be disastrous for our community completely opposed. Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, Barrett Reed, two numerical questions. First, amid, about, amid all the debate about housing and hotels downtown, how high should Santa Barbara's buildings be allowed to go? And uh, second, city's population is about 90,000. Uh, give us a number of size for the ideal population in Santa Barbara. Um, you know, if you, were, if you were on the city council, what would you want to see that number be? I'd like to keep height limits where they are. Um, I think our findings need a lot of work because, and that can't be changed at planning commission, can only be changed at the council level. Right now it's, it's very difficult to go against height exemptions. So that needs to be addressed at the council level. Um, you know, Josh, on planning commission, I've been action oriented, consistent, clear in my support for housing in our downtown where it can be accommodated and beneficial for revitalization. And at the same time, uh, protecting against development in these single family neighborhoods. And I'm in complete agreement with Kristen on SB 9 and 10. However, Kristen has shown in action, Kristen, inconsistency, and it's just led to confusing on confusion on housing policy. And I think what really highlights your inaction was an article Josh wrote about a, a council meeting back in May of this year. And your statement was, let's press pause on housing conversations. And you went on to say, we are not in danger by the state. Well, no. by, that by that position, you are pressing pause on downtown housing, a key to revitalization. You're pressing pause on streamlining our broken permitting process. You're pressing pause on housing at Macy's, at Nordstrom's, at Sears, at La Cumbra Plaza. And most importantly, you're pressing pause on protecting single family neighborhoods from development. And okay. your colleague's answer to that was, their response was, we can't get on board with that. Mm -hmm. and, and what a pause is, is inaction. It's inconsistent leadership. And this pause just simply confuses everyone. Okay, um, so we have to give Bye Kristen day. an opportunity to, to respond to that. Uh, Kristen, I think I remember that story. I think it was a, it's a workshop or a committee meeting. I forget, uh, but I remember I uh, quoted you saying that. But um, mm -hmm. can you respond to uh, Barrett Reed, please? 
Yes, thank you. I'd really like to. So um, the discussion was about the FAR and uh, my comments that went along with that we needed to pause the discussion of the FAR, not of housing, the FAR, was that we had just been working on AUD changes to the incentives. The state had just passed ADUs, including in the high fire zones and extreme high fire zones where we don't need them. And we were talking about increasing building heights and volumes of buildings downtown and creating yet another paradigm of expansion and development incentives. And my comment was to pause on the discussion of the FAR of the Florida area ratio incentive, which is uh, a multiplier of volume that, that goes up even higher, the, the broader, the, the base level of the law is. And it was uh, reported that I had said to hit pause and it was a pause on the FAR discussion. And then the following comment was about putting a pause on discussions of housing. There's no way to put a pause on the discussion of housing. And I never have suggested that or wanted to do that. I've been fighting for affordable inclusionary housing and have, have moved for that consistently in the downtown. Okay. What I wanted to pause was the expansion of development and larger and taller buildings outside of the downtown core. And now when we, and I mentioned it at that meeting, when SB9 is coming down okay. the track, okay. that we should give it some thought before we incentivize more development. And, and, and to another thing I wanna answer. Um, right, about, hold, hold, hold that thought. Sorry. <laughs> Jerry's nudging me over here. Okay, <laughs> we gotta we gotta move along uh, a little okay. bit. Uh, Barrett, um, now we're gonna talk about governance a little bit. Um, uh, City Administrator Paul Casey recently resigned. Uh, we have a interim police chief. Our transportation chief is out on leave. We have just hired replacements for the community development director who was forced out, and also for public works director with the former head of that office now serving as fill-in administrator. And at the same time, city's being sued for sexual harassment claims against, alleged against the former budget director. So the overall picture is one of chaos at City Hall. Uh, to what do you attribute that? Uh, um, the mayor was on here a few weeks ago and, and said, you know, it's just normal turnover. Is there something different that's going on there or is this just kind of the way things should operate? This is, this is not the way things should operate. We should be alarmed, and many people are alarmed. Council's responsible, Jerry, for setting the tone for our city, which attracts talent, um, or it retains talent. And Kristen, you're not setting a positive tone. It's not a tone that attracts people who would potentially wanna work for this city. Um, this divisiveness we see on council is repelling talent and our city employees are fleeing. So Jerry, to your question, hiring our new city administrator, it's the most important person council is responsible for hiring. They only get to hire two. Um, we need people on council who have hired people and manage people in the real world. Um, this doesn't exist now on council. Uh, the qualities that we need to look for are a track record of success. We need a city administrator who will work well with staff and council and be assertive, but we also need a council that will work well with the city administrator and hold one another accountable. All right. And th th thank you. 
Kristen, yeah. uh, pr pretty much I want to ask you the same question. Um, I mean, to, to what do you attribute this kind of extraordinary wave of, of turnover and, and people bailing and so on? Um, you know, there has been a lot of talk, and Barrett just referenced, you know, the divisiveness of council. Is that what's going on, or wh what do you think's behind it? And then if you would quickly also uh, just uh, give us a, a couple of uh, key qualities for the new administrator that, uh, that you're looking for. Yeah, hiring the new administrator is the most important function that we're going to perform. And, and actually, I, I have been on hiring committees before and have hired and managed staff before too and was a small business owner as well. So I, I do have that experience. Um, I will say that a lot of businesses and a lot of places, COVID is, has created people to make life changes. I mean, you've seen that I'm sure in any industry that you're in, that people are rethinking what it means to have um, a, a 40 hour work week or to live in certain places. We have a lot of people relocating to different places. So I'm not going to say it's all that, but, but a lot of that people are close to retirement age COVID happens, it's time to come back in person full time. And I think a lot of people have just sort of rethought what their priorities are right now. Um, but that certainly isn't everything. We are uh, have gone through district elections. It's, we had some growing pains there. Uh, we have had adjustments and um, we really need to take very seriously the hiring of our, of our new leadership. And that is going to take a, a concerted effort uh, and a joint effort of all of council. And, you know, we're, we're a team. We don't always agree, but that's what public discourse is. And, right. and we bring input and, and we get a lot done. And, and it may not be always with, with um, you know, full cheering for each other, but we get a lot done. All right, let me ask you something really quick, because there's a couple of um, sort of uh, disagreements that have been out there between you two uh, in recent months. That, really haven't had a chance to air. Let me ask you this one. Uh, but in an interview a couple months ago, <clears throat> Mr. Reed said you were the source that triggered a confidential human resources investigation involving transportation czar Rob Dayton by, quote, attacking Rob Dayton's religion. Is he correct? Well, as you know, I certainly can't and wouldn't discuss uh, an employee by name and anything that may or may not be occurring in a in a in a private uh, HR um, procedure and and wouldn't confirm whether that is or not. Um, what I can say about um, Mr. Dayton is he was an amazing uh, transportation and um, and director in that area. He's visionary very instrumental in the closing of State Street and our ability to do that quickly. Um, I've had a fantastic working relationship with Mr. Dayton and, and anything beyond that, I'm, I'm really not going to discuss speculation about, about anything um, beyond that. And I, and I actually find it really inappropriate that, that Mr. Reed, who is on the Planning Commission and does represent the city, would, would name an employee by name. I, I'm, um, actually really troubled by that. Barrett, what, what was the, the, the basis of, of you making that uh, allegation? And, and what do you say to Kristen's uh, comment that it was uh, inappropriate for you to, uh, to, to talk about it? Well, I would, my, my question, which I was hoping to ask during this forum, is 
Was there a complaint filed against Rob Dayton? Was there anything that prompted this action? Because it's troubling. And because of your issue, Kristen, the city is in the process of losing another pile of money and a valuable, valuable employee. And we can't have a council member mingling into HR issues with city employees that council doesn't directly oversee. This was an entirely avoidable issue. My question is, what was the purpose? I don't know what you're referring to and what you mean about mingling with HR issues. It's very much our purview to be interviewed or to discuss with HR anything that they ask us to discuss. And I'm not sure what you're saying, your issue. I don't have an issue. And I'm really not sure this is the format for this, but I don't think you can just make an accusation that I have an issue that you're not naming that is personnel issue unsubstantiated. And I guess I have to leave it at that. I don't have an issue. Well, I can say that I've been a part of this investigation. I believe you probably took an oath that you wouldn't discuss being part of an investigation. No, I didn't take an oath. Well, finish your thought then, Barrett. You said you were part of the investigation. Well, that's enough said, Jerry. All right, fair enough. Josh? Okay, let's move on to equity. And Jerry's nudging me over here about staying on time. So we'll try to keep it to about a minute here. Okay, I'm going to start with Barrett Reed on this question of equity. You know, Barrett, Santa Barbara has a long history of leadership by women. We obviously have female mayors going back several years. The current city council is majority female members. If you defeat Ms. Sneddon, that would no longer be the case. And given, you know, and you've heard this, Barrett, this is not a surprise. Some people, you know, say, you know, given your white male privilege, people believe that, you know, like here's another white guy who's running for council. Did you give much thought to that before deciding to run? And, you know, in this era of sort of diversity and equity, did you think, well, well, maybe I'm not the right person at the right time. And, you know, let's let, you know, Kristen, you know, have another term or let somebody else challenge Ms. Sneddon. Yeah, good question, Josh. Yeah, I did. I did think about that. I thought about many things in making this decision. And I think Deborah Schwartz in your mayoral forum spoke to equity really articulately. Deborah is the chair of the planning commission and someone who has mentored me and invested in me and someone I deeply, deeply respect. And we disagree on a lot. So as far as female leadership, I am a huge, huge supporter. And so this equity, I think it is this quality of being fair and impartial in the treatment of everyone. And I think the best thing we can do for equity, given the turnover in our city and this quest for a new city administrator, is to cast a very wide net in recruitment to best ensure diversity in hiring the best people and make sure we have the funds to pay for it. But first and foremost, we have to ensure we have a city people want to come to, that want to work at, that they want to live in, because right now we don't. 
Okay, thank you, Barrett. All right, next question, uh, same topic, uh, equity, council member Snedden. Um, this is a question based off of uh, you know an issue at the city council. In the wake of the protests over the murder of George Floyd, um, you know you were one of the council members who spent time meeting and negotiating with members of Healing Justice and Black Lives Matter. Uh, but a number of your colleagues were upset, um, annoyed, angered. You can fill in the term there. There was some emotion behind what they felt when they felt as though you were suggesting or prodding or um, implying a $500,000 donation uh, to, to that group for an African-American community center. Um, you know, that was an issue they felt like they were put in a rock and a hard place, you know, because they wanted to support the group, but $500,000 was a lot of money. Um, as you reflect on how you handled that situation, you know, what would you do differently or would you do anything differently? Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's a great question. Um, I only know how my colleagues felt about it because of how you reported it and what you're saying here. So yeah. I don't actually have firsthand knowledge of my colleagues' um, emotions about that. Yeah. Um, I will say that I, uh, I really believe in people speaking for themselves in their own voice. And my intention, and I believe Councilmember Gutierrez's, Oscar Gutierrez's intention was an invitation to have a group who um, who I had seen their presentations on a, a Black African American Cultural Resource Center and, and found them to be very compelling. And I wanted them to give the presentation in their own voice for what it is that, that they wanted. Um, we hadn't discussed an ask amount or what support might look like. And um, I don't I don't fault either of the groups for making an ask. Um, if, you, if you don't ask, you don't, you don't receive and that that we were said no I don't I don't see the problem in that I think that these these things are, are we're going to make mistakes sometimes and it's going to be messy but I will never regret inviting voices at the table to speak for themselves and ask for what they want and and I think okay. the outcome eventually will be a fantastic outcome in the direction we're taking is now working with the county I'm working okay. directly with the county Councilmember Oscar Gutierrez and and I'm committed to seeing this cultural resource center and I didn't know it was going to be a $500,000 ask and it wasn't in the proposal and and I didn't make a motion or okay. vote for a $500,000 um, contribution so so that came that came from the group and and I I certainly don't fault them for for okay. asking it and I don't fault myself for for inviting voices to the table that's how it works Okay, thank you, Kristen. Jerry, next question. So just, just to clarify, uh, Kristen, mm -hmm. on that. So in answer to Joss's specific question, you're saying you would not have done anything differently. Um, I think I would have had maybe one or two more meetings um, with Healing Justice ahead of time so that we could have been more clear. Um, and I fault myself for that, actually. Right. I don't think that they understood that, that whether to ask or not to ask or what right. the ask should be. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I would have done that very differently, but I think we're grown-ups on council and can handle weighing these difficult topics and, right. and setting our intentions. Thank yeah. you. And, and Jerry, would you mind if I commented briefly on this? So I, the context of this item was we were running an $8 million deficit as a city. Um, city employees were taking pay cuts. We were furloughing staff. We were denying pay increases. 
leaving important vacant positions unfilled. And Kristen and Oscar agendized um, this request from a political group. And the, the request itself is not, I mean, I think we can all support a community center. It's a good cause. It's just the context in which it happened. Um, we, and it, it, there was no priority for public safety. Um, at the time, we were pushing for fire mitigation funding um, in Eucalyptus Hill, and Kristen yeah. was too distracted to deal with that. And and I just and I, I need to know I need quick. to note, Jerry, real quick that ten seconds. Kristen, when the request was made, we can go back and watch the meeting. Kristen supported the request for five hundred thousand dollars towards their rent. No, Kristen, you want to you want to yes, respond she did. on that? Good, good. I would like to respond. So it was agendized not during a budget meeting. Um, we had been talking about it for months. That happens to be when the item fell. It was not part of the budget. It wasn't supposed to be part of the budget ask. Um, when we had initially strategized, I said we should do the presentation now at the end of budget, see how much might be available. All the meantime, I asked for increased funding to implement the Community Wildfire Protection Plan. I asked for $200,000 more to jumpstart that plan. I've repeatedly asked for funding for fire safety and for police funds as well. So there was no distraction either or. It's sort of All a right. false choice that it's one or the other. Let's and and it, it wasn't in that context. It was its own item, and All it right. was really about support. Let's, let's leave it there. Before we go to closing uh, uh, statements, we, we just have a couple of quick things uh, for, for each of you. Um, uh, Barrett, in August, three months before the election, you reported having raised more than $160,000, more than $25 per voter in the district, which is an extraordinary amount of money for a district council race, and that's certain to grow, I'm sure, with your next uh, campaign finance filing. First of all, can you understand how, how voters would, would view that as kind of an obscene amount of money for a small-scale district campaign? And secondly, with developers and architects and contractors uh, dominating your contributors list, why wouldn't voters be suspicious that you will be a shill for real estate development? Great question. Um, I don't think voters have a ton to compare it to as far as fundraising for district elections. We've had so few. Um, I'm proud of my support. Uh, the support comes from kind of an even mix of Democrats, independents, and Republicans, all sorts of different interests. And it, it's just a clear message at such a time as this that people want change and they want it quickly. All right, fair enough. Okay, uh, I have a question for Council Member uh, Sneddon. Um, you know, Let's talk a little bit about the cannabis license transfer, which was in your district. Uh, Santa Barbara issued three cannabis licenses. They're very coveted. There's a lot of controversy around the issuing of these licenses. One of the people who received it transferred it, rumored or sold it, rumored $11 million. It's a Florida company traded on the Canadian uh, Stock Exchange. Uh, Council Member Sneddon, this was your district. This is not all you, but it is your district. Uh, I mean, can you comment on, is that the appropriate use of the cannabis policy in the city where we allow a local company to get it for free and then transfer it? And how do we assure that something like this doesn't happen in the future if you're reelected? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, it is a completely fair question. The policy was put in place 
before I was elected. And when you ask, is it an appropriate application of the policy? Yes, it's completely by the book. I don't believe that that's what the policy should be. I don't think that we should allow transfers and sort of gross profiting in that way. And we're artificially limiting the number of licenses in the first place. I don't want there to be more licenses. So no, I was not happy with that outcome, was not happy with that process, but it was put in place as a policy and it was faithfully carried out in the way that it was meant to be. So do you think there should be any change to that law to prevent that from happening again? Yeah, I do. I mean, and we can have time to look at it before we issue any more licenses, which I don't think is anytime soon. So let me ask you about another controversy you've been involved in. You originally opposed the new project labor agreement system for capital works projects that directly benefit certain craft unions. But then you voted for it, but on the final measure switched your vote and opposed it, which resulted, as I understand, in the Santa Barbara County Labor Council dropping its endorsement. So you were against it before you were for it and then you were against it. Can you clarify that for us, please? Yeah, I think it's really important to look at what the votes are for. So the vote wasn't for it or against it and then for it. It was for different components of it. So my first vote was against it in the process of forming the agreement. Once it was underway and I had been told by council members and by negotiators that it could be negotiated out the double payment of health benefits and retirement benefits. And that's where my real concern is. I have many businesses in District 4 owners. They're modest business owners, but they employ locals and fairly pay fair wages and especially on city jobs. And so the second vote that I voted yes was, okay, I'll take your word for it that it can be negotiated out and let's move forward. And then when it came back the third time, so the second vote was to allow the negotiations to proceed. So by the third time when it came back and I was actually really disappointed that that was still in there, the double paying of health insurance and benefits. And so I felt like I had from the beginning, I remember it was when Greg Hart was on and that was one of his items right before he left office. So this came four years ago and very consistently my concern was how this would impact local businesses employing local workers and this double payment. So you finally voted, you finally, just to clarify, because we do move to move along, you finally voted against it because of the double cost to some local. Okay, got it. Council Member Sneddon, let me just follow up. You know, you referenced earlier my reporting, people say some things to reporters, not to you. You know, sort of the word, you know, on the street, certainly among your critics is you said one thing to get the endorsement and then you kind of on consent calendar did something else and then you lost the endorsement. For those people who think you tried to have it both ways, can you respond to them? Yeah, I really respect the endorsement process. I was forthright in my application and I believed and I was told many times that it would be negotiated out, the double payment. And given that, I would have supported it. 
So I was planning to support it. And on consent, it should be in line with what was discussed previously. And it was really clear, council members as well, asked that there not be the double payment and that it could be negotiated. So, you know, frankly, I question that it should have been on consent when it was so different from what was agreed upon from my understanding. So, you know, and I don't question they're pulling the endorsement. It's completely appropriate that they would pull it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for that clarity. Final question before we move into closing arguments. This question is for Barrett Reed. As noted in another podcast hosted by the person sitting next to me, Mr. Reed, you have acknowledged not voting in at least four citywide elections in the last decade, including contests for mayor and city council. Is it a bit presumptuous now to put yourself forward as a leader and, you know, say you're going to take decisive action when you didn't vote on these matters that you care so much about now? Yeah, that's a fair question. I've learned a lot, you know, and there have been points in my life where I've been very disconnected from our city leadership, frustrated. The past, like I've said a couple of times, past four years, it's been a wake-up call for me, huge wake-up call for me. And I think I have proven over these past four years that I am engaged. And regardless of the outcome of this election, I will continue to be engaged. I would like to continue my work on the planning commission, and I would like to work on city council. I have no ambition beyond city politics. You can mark my words. This is a place I deeply love and I deeply care about. Okay. All right. Thank you. Let's move to closing statements now. Each candidate will have two minutes for a closing statement. And why don't we start with Barrett Reed? Yeah. Thank you, Josh. First of all, this is incredible to have a one-on-one debate. So thank you for setting this up. I'm a native to Santa Barbara. This is the only hometown I've ever known. Santa Barbara is not what I remembered. It's not what it once was. It's definitely not what it should be. Council is simply too divisive, I believe, ill-equipped to lead. And we have a city without vision and action where it matters the most. We have lost our local focus, and I'm compelled to run to take this action, to turn this special city around. So I'm dedicated to bringing businesses and residents back to the heart of our city. To do that, I think we need to make our downtown clean and safe like it used to be. Get families back downtown. I'll provide incentives, not disincentives, for downtown revitalization. And I'll take action on our homelessness crisis, returning to active enforcement of our laws while providing temporary shelter with services outside of high-impact areas of our city. I will act also with fierce determination to protect our irreplaceable single-family neighborhoods from density and overdevelopment. I will also unapologetically support fundamental services like our impressive police and fire. These must be supported. They must be enhanced to protect homes, to protect families, to protect livelihoods. And lastly, our city has to do more than talk. 
and write reports. I will make sure we take action, measure results, make the needed changes until we achieve our goals. And to voters, thank you. I have heard you loud and clear at the door every day. Thank you for your support. I ask for your vote. I will tirelessly serve you and I will serve this city day and night. Thank the you. best city in the world, a city that I love, a city okay. that Kristen loves. Wrap I up, love please. it with all my heart. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And uh, Kristen Sneddon, you have the last word, two minutes. Thank you. So I'm running on my record of accomplishment for the city. I've kept my promises and extended my promises beyond when I first ran. I see the city as more complex than just State Street or just downtown. I'm a teacher. I have no personal vested interest. I'm not deeply invested downtown financially or in ways that I have conflict. What I teach is environmental geology. I teach about the issues of water conservation and management, waste management, debris flows, fire, drought, earthquakes, all of the things that really affect the safety of our city. And I'm looking beyond just downtown. I'm looking to what residents experience and the protections that they need with fire, in particular with water, uh, portfolio and, and security through our future. I have voted to protect neighborhoods and preservation. I have championed the HLC, the Historic Landmarks Commission, in their efforts to preserve what makes Santa Barbara what it is and to expand their views of what our cultural resources are. We are really living in a moment where having a holistic view of not just one perspective of Santa Barbara is what we need to bring forward. I've, I've worked on the sea level rise adaptation plan, community choice energy, some longer term visioning that is beyond just the immediate crisis of going downtown and, and saying that it's dirty and needs attention. There's a lot more at stake here than the businesses on State Street, though they also require a lot of care as well. I'm looking to the next five years to protect the city, to fight for the city, for neighborhoods. I know that we both have a, a, a passion and a love for the city. I enjoy the endorsements of the Sierra Club, okay. Women's Political Committee, thank you. and That's I ask minutes. for your vote. Okay, right. thank you. Thank you very much. That concludes uh, tonight's forum, co-sponsored by Newsmakers, SB Talks, and TVSB. We thank the candidates not only for taking the time to appear, but for putting themselves out there in public in what is a very challenging experience and for sitting here and answering our questions. Um, and we thank our viewers and listeners, of course, that Santa Barbara is at an inflection point in history, a very consequential election, so please don't forget to vote. Good night.